0: We live in an incredible city. A visible contrast between the old and the new, our city uniquely reveals a picture of legacy. What is legacy? At its most basic, it is a long-lasting impact. Through the historic architecture of our city, we engage with legacy left by those whose names and deeds are long forgotten yet their legacy stands. Each brick, each stone, each archway, the labor and vision of someone who has gone before. The legacy is not just historic. It is something that is built over generations. All around, we see new contributions being founded, literally built from the ground up, adding to and continuing the legacy started by those who've gone before and each new structure built to last beyond its builder's lifetime forever changing the landscape on which they are founded influencing their surroundings and shaping the city with long lasting impact what a picture for the church the history of our faith providing an unshakable legacy built with a cornerstone that will never fail, established by Him who is always with us. We continue to build on the legacy of those who have gone before us, their labor and vision echoing into eternity. And we are bringing a new contribution, starting from the ground up, building something to last beyond our lifetimes with vision and commitment to the labor of building seeking to establish a landmark within our city that changes the landscape of Halifax forever. We are building a legacy. You're invited to build with us.
1: Check, check, check. Uh, nothing like a great video to stir you up. And uh, where are my movie people? Where are my video people? You just love a good movie. Come on, Hallmark movies. How many have watched five already this year? Oh, amazing. Uh, stir you up. Uh, next Sunday launches our Christmas season at Nova. Where we start transforming spaces, and uh, I believe we're going to start singing carols next week. It's not too soon. It's not too soon at all. It's December has happened next Sunday. So next Sunday starts our Christmas season, and uh, we encourage you to join us for this next month coming as we close out the year. Brian, can I have that? Just waiting for my notes, and, a, and a, the microphone failed because someone dropped it. I'm not going to say who, but he's preaching this morning, and is that working yet? It is working. Check, check. Amazing. Thank you. Come on. Round of applause for our produ- production team. <laughs> Only one mic was working, and it wasn't the one I'm holding. All right. Just me. All right. Thank you, Andrea. You're the one person that laughed at that joke. Awesome. Um, I want to welcome our guests, as always, Uh we're just going over the numbers for the year, and we always have so many guests every single Sunday, which tells me that we really enjoy inviting people, um, and we're really glad you're here, uh, and we're praying today that you experience everything that Nova has for our church family. We really hope you enjoy today, and um, we're really thankful you're here, and we call Nova home, but it wouldn't be the same without guests, um, but this year, we're talking, this this morning, we're talking to our church family. And this is a family chat, and you get to just listen in on it and be a part of it and enjoy. But I want to talk to those that are part of the NOVA family, online and those in person today. I want to talk to you that you call NOVA home. This is where you worship. This is where you lean in. This is your community. And all year long, we focus our efforts, our vision, our generosity towards helping our city and beyond. And we're really proud of that, and we're excited about our vision to do that. Meeting needs, reaching the lost, helping the hungry and the distressed. But today... We're starting a focus for this month on our home that we call Nova. This is Legacy Sunday. And we we launched this last year at this time. This will be something we do every year, but we want to lean in on our home on our church. Now, our annual impact report, this is a report that goes over the finances and, and what we've were done, what we done as a church this year. That's gonna be emailed to your inbox at one o'clock today. So please look for that. There is, it's a financial report. It's emailed to you. So many things to celebrate. It is, um, it is so much that we can enjoy and look back on. Check your email for that. But today I wanna to believe and encourage us as God is doing something in our church, amen? It's a beautiful season as a church. And I believe as we close out this year, but start this month of generosity. I believe that God wants as we end this year to launch us into 2024, amen? Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning. God, again, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you that there's miracles happening in this place. I thank you that strangers are becoming neighbors, that those far from you are coming close to you. Thank you, God, that you're warming cold hearts to religion. I'm thankful, God, that you're... You're maintaining those that are strong in their faith. Father, that children are learning of your goodness. That, Father, the older are leaning into your faithfulness. Father, we're thankful for what you're doing. Father, we pray today, God, that you would stir hearts, that you would encourage us, that you would lean in and speak to us. Father, we thank you for what you've done this year. God, we have so much to celebrate. We just want to thank you for your help in a challenging year. You've been so good. And, Holy Spirit, would you do only you can do? Would you bring scripture alive? Would you help me preach well? Would you help us lean in today? And would you speak to us as only you can? And everybody said, we're launching a giving focus over the next month to the end of the year that goes towards helping propel our vision for the church and building for the future. Let me ask you this by show of hand. How many have goals for their life? Anybody have goals for their life? I don't know if it's fitness goals, financial goals, relational goals, but It's important to have goals for your life, a vision for where you want your life to go. Me and Nancy have a vision for our lives. We're actually even talking about our vision that we will have as grandparents. Now, Maddie's not allowed to date until she's 40. So, Maddie, you're here somewhere. But Josh can start dating at any time he wants. But our our goal, we start talking. We're making decisions based on our vision to be grandparents. Now, if you're wondering, our goal is to be very cool grandparents. Uh, Very adventurous grandparents, uh, fit grandparents. It's interesting, this summer Josh was home from his internship and me, Nancy and Maddie and Josh were at the beach. And as a habit, I raced my kids down the beach. Now, I have not won this race for three years. I lost the title of fastest miller three years ago. My son reminded me when I saw him recently. I lost it to him in a parking lot. He was wearing jeans. And I was in workout gear. And he still walked away from me like I was tied to a tree. He just walked away from me. So much so, he looked back and winked when he crossed the finish line. And I was never more proud. Um, he, was, he was 17 when he became the fastest miller. But this summer, I raced my kids down the beach. And I knew I wasn't going to win. In fact, it was embarrassing. My son actually ran backwards for the last 10 meters, uh, mocking me. And uh, But... Why do I keep doing it? Because I have a goal to be a grandparent that races my grandkids down the beach. And I have a number in my head that I told my son recently. I'm like, when you and Maddie have kids, my goal is that they cannot beat me till they're age 14. You did it at 17, but my goal is to keep my speed so I can still beat them until they're 14. And then they can take on you, the fastest Miller. And then one day, Josh, you will lose the title to one of your kids, or Maddie will, one of Maddie's kids will become the fastest Miller. Goals. When you have goals... They actually um, affect your decisions today. Goals tomorrow affect your decisions today. That's why that goal of being a fit grandparent many, many, many years from now had me on the treadmill last night. Why? Because my vision for tomorrow affects my decisions today. This month we're leaning in on, we're talking about the vision we have to leave a legacy of faith that will outlast our lifetime. We have a goal as a church to leave a legacy of faith in this city and this world that will outlast our lifetime. Recently, in the last few months, I've had the privilege of being at um, anniversary services for two churches. One was celebrating 168 years as a church. One recently, a couple weeks ago, a hundred years as a church, as I'm walking through their buildings, talking to their people, seeing the vibrancy of faith and people coming to Christ and looking at the past with thanksgiving, looking, looking to the forward with faith, I thought, what a legacy of faith. I need you to know that that's our vision. Our vision as a church is not to make it through a year. We don't end up at the last day of December going, just Made it. Man, I hope we're around this time next year. No, no. See, the Bible says there to vision, people perish. It says where, where there's a vision, where there's no vision, people cast off restraint. The vision we have is to be a church that will outlast the people in this room. They may tell the stories of how we launched, but they won't remember our names. But I believe decades and generations from now, there will be a church established in this city called Nova Church that will go beyond us. Why? Because we have a vision of a legacy of faith. To build a legacy that will affect generations more than moments. I'm so thankful for moments. We had a moment this morning in prayer. We had a moment in worship. We're having a moment right now, but a legacy turns moments into movements. Oh, we just don't want a moment here and there. We want a movement of God, a movement of faith, and a movement of legacy. Pastor Peter Marshall, who was the pastor of the U.S. Senate, until his death in the 1940s, says it this way. He says, The measure of life is not its duration, but its donation. It's not how long you live. It's, it's how long your life lives after you with what you've given your life away. Your legacy is not found in your lifetime, but it's found in your lifeline. And it's not found in your duration, but it's in your donation. A legacy is built on generosity. If you have your Bible today, I want you to turn to Mark chapter 6 and... Very famous passage. You can turn your Bible on, or you can turn the page, whatever one you have. I encourage you to bring your Bible to church. If you don't have a Bible, we have free Bibles that we bought with your money. You'll see how much we paid for those in the impact report at one o'clock in your email. Um, but you can see it in the lobby. You can pick up a Bible. I encourage you to bring your Bible to church. Is nothing like the Word of God. Mark chapter six. I'm going to start reading in verse 32. And this passage is a famous passage. We we allude to it often. I don't remember the last time I read the full passage in church, but Mark chapter 6, verse 32. Jesus is in the middle of his mission to launch the church. He's on his way to the cross. He's building a leadership team and getting ready to forgive our sins. Jesus came to die for our sins, to forgive our sins, so we can know God. You don't need to live far from God. You don't need to wonder, am I going to heaven? Am I right with God? You can know today that you're right with God because Jesus went to the cross He was also building a leadership team to launch the church. We pick it up here in verse 32 in the middle of this mission. So they they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and as he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Interesting note there, he had compassion on them. I don't know how you feel sometimes when you're stuck in traffic. Jesus is stuck in traffic here, people looking for his attention. It wasn't frustration. It wasn't anger. It was compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came up to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, you feed them. With what, they asked. We'd have to go work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. Well, how much bread do you have, he asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported, we found five loaves and two fish. And Jesus told his disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat them down in groups of 50 and 100. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up towards heaven and blessed them. Another version says he thanked God for them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. So he divided the fish for everyone to share, and they ate as much as they wanted. It was a buffet. It was a seafood buffet and carbs. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish, fish and chips. A total of 5,000 men, and then their families were fed. It's interesting, this was a moment here. In this story, we read, talking about generosity and legacy, it was a moment of grace, um, a moment of miracles turned into a movement of grace. Please don't miss this. This moment of generosity of this of this boy, of his disciples, turned into a movement of grace. Jesus, in this moment, realized people are hungry, he's teaching. They were having a moment, but that moment led to a movement. Where he went to the cross, he taught his beliefs, the kingdom came. But the kingdom came, that movement of grace started with moments of generosity. See, the boy gave what he had. The disciples did what they could. And Jesus did what he does. See, the boy gave what he had, a moment of sacrifice. The disciples did what they could, a moment of service. But Jesus does what he does, and that's a movement of grace. Grace. Moments don't impress anyone. You can have a moment. You can have your moment of fame. You can have your moment of success. But when you have a movement that is that, that, that goes beyond decades and time and encompasses momentum uh, that's extended, it's a movement. And these moments of miracles of generosity led to movements of grace. From this story real quick today, I want to take five points. Five points as we launch this month of giving. Um, to encourage you that I believe God wants to speak to you. Over the next month until the end of the end of December, we're going to be collecting anything above tithes and offerings are going to go to our legacy, which is building our future. And you've heard some of our vision for a building. We also have a vision for staff and for uh, for more capabilities and more events. And anything you give above your tithes and offerings in this next month is legacy giving, which we can use for the needs of the church and building our tomorrow. five points that I want to encourage you with today. Number one, generosity starts with compassion for others. It's interesting, Jesus here in verse 34, when he saw them, he had compassion on them. Generosity is a heart thing. I don't know if you know that. Generosity is a heart thing. I know people, sometimes people get in church, and think thinking, this is a Sunday I show up to church? We're talking about money. Because we don't like talking about it because it's a private thing. But I've learned this, generosity is a heart thing. This summer we went to Newfoundland for Nancy's brother's wedding. And sitting around her other sister's house, and um, they have a blood pressure machine, and we're at the age where we ha- that we think that's fun to, to try our blood pressure. That's ha- that's another reason why I know we're not young anymore. We're like, what do you want to do? You want to play Xbox? We'll play video games. No. What's that blood pressure machine doing there? Let's see who has the lowest blood pressure. That's that is fun to me. What is wrong with me? Help me, Ben. You got to help me. I'm just uh, uh, so we sat around and. Sh- 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 and I'm, I'm not speaking ill of Nancy's family, but the people in that room, they're the recovering from smoking. And, they, and, 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 they're, and I, I, can, I look at myself a certain way, and I don't think I have an accurate depiction of myself. I feel like I'm going to have the lowest blood pressure in the room. Folks, I had the highest blood pressure in the room. I'm like, I don't understand. What's, I'm like, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm looking around going, you have lower blood pressure than me? I saw what you just ate, the fish and chips. I had a cucumber and air for supper. What happened? That must, must be a mistake, so I did it again. Nope, highest in the room. I sat, there, no, I sat there for 20 minutes, breathing, deep breathing. Don't talk to me. Don't think about stress. I just did deep breathing. Okay, put it on for me again. I got it down lower, but I was still the highest in the room. All kidding aside, I came home and said, I gotta make some changes. I gotta figure this out. Because why? Because I know the heart which it takes your blood pressure, determines the rest of your body's health. And I got visions to be a cool grandparent running down a beach years from now, and I know if I can't get my heart in order, I'll, have, I'll never get my legs and my lungs in order. Why? Because the heart is the start of this whole thing. It's interesting, no one, no doctor has ever seen the muscle that is my heart. No man has ever seen the muscle of my heart, but they can see the symptoms that come from the heart. You know, what's interesting, your money is the most reliable way we can um, determine the state of your heart. Isn't that interesting? Money is the most reliable indicator of your heart. Look at this from Scripture, Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This underscores that there is an inseparable connection between our treasures and the conditions of our heart. Wherever our treasure is, our heart is tied to it. Money is the indicator of the health of our heart. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one or love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This passage highlights the potential conflict of allegiance between God and wealth. Only one can be in charge of your life. You can't serve both God and money. You can't chase the dollar and follow Jesus. You cannot serve two masters. Only one can be in charge of your life. 1 Timothy 6.10. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Money's not evil. It's not. The love of it is. It's funny, love. When people love money, love will make you do crazy things. Won't it? Remember when you fell in love? Love will make you do crazy things. It'll make you spend money on plane tickets and flowers, and it'll make you talk on the phone. Remember you were living in Newfoundland, and we talked talk on the phone for eight hours a night. We had to, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. Phones were these things that had cords. That's why we do it like this. This generation's like on the phone, right? And this generation never does this. They do this. Do not, you want to freak someone out? Call them. (laughs) But when we were younger, we had cords, right? You hang up. No, you hang up. And then we couldn't hang up. We'll just fall asleep. How attractive is that? You hear f- breathing and farting and snoring. And, but love will make you do crazy things. You know, people have done crazy things for, for money, for the love of money. People walked out on relationships and commitments and it says even here that they've wandered from their faith. Because why? Because money is an indicator of your heart. The heart is everything in our faith. You want to know your heart's condition today? You want to know how your heart's doing? You don't have a blood pressure machine for your spiritual heart? You want to know how your heart's doing? Look at your relationship with your treasure, with money. It's a great indicator of your heart. The Bible knows this tension. It knows that it's not just a 2023 thing going, Pastor, talk about relationships. Talk about small groups. But just don't talk about money. Don't talk about sex and don't talk about money. It's interesting that we don't want to talk about these things. The Bible speaks to it. It knows the tension and the importance of our relationship with money. And in fact, it speaks to it a lot. Now, I think we would all agree here today that prayer is an important part of the Bible, important part of our faith. It's interesting, in Scripture, there's 500 verses on prayer. That's a lot of verses. You'd say, yeah, prayer's important, but I think faith's important. I'm a faith person, man. We believe. We have belief. We name it, we claim it, we believe. God is good. Faith's important. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, yeah? Faith is important. The Bible mentions it just under 500 times. But you know finances and on money, there are over 2,000 verses in the Bible. Why? Because God knows your heart Out of your heart flows the issues of life. And God wants to speak to our finances so we can get to our heart. Because if he has your heart, he has your life. He has your life, he can build a legacy that will go beyond this season that you're in. Money speaks to the heart. Second point from this I want to pull out is that generosity is an act of the will. See, it's not about ability, it's about availability. It's interesting, I was telling someone recently, and Nancy said, don't say that. I, I, I say this all the time. I'm like, I don't have any talents. I don't have any talents. I don't have any talents. The only talent I have is I attract really talented people around me. Look around the room. It's proof of it. We have a talent of attracting brilliant, amazing people. But we always say, man, we're not qualified to do this. I don't know if we're good at this. We just, we're just being made ourselves available. We'll say all the time, we, don't, we never wanted to plant a church. We never wanted to be lead pastors. But God called us. There's a truth here is that it's not about your ability. It's about your availability. The little boy who offered the five loaves and two fishes teaches us about the significance of making ourselves available and be willing to contribute. It's not about the amount, it's about the availability. The little boy could have, honestly, we we know the story, but if you went back to that moment going, there are 5,000 men and their families, there could be, some say 15,000 people, What's the point of giving the little bit I have? I, at least I should eat and not go hungry. Maybe me and a few of my friends should look after us four and no more because I could give it, but it's not actually going to do anything. And he said, listen, it's not about the, the, the ability I have. It's not about the amount I have. It's about the availability. Go, listen, I'm going to contribute something. Availability makes room for the miraculous. I, we have seen this in our life. If you're on our dream team, you've seen this. By making yourself available, there are miracles that happen here every single Sunday. Moments of miracles, but they come from not the ability in the room, but the availability in the room. Generosity is a choice to saying, I'm available to be a part of this miracle. Generosity is a choice. It says, I will leave more than I take. That's a core value if you're a believer. I will leave more than I take. I'll contribute more than I consume. And I will be a part of this Miracle, this story tells me that availability is greater than ability. In a world of spectators, generosity puts you on the field. We live in a culture where everybody wants to comment on everything. Facebook is becoming increasingly more toxic all the time. Everybody wants to uh, comment and be a commentary, but someone Needs to get themselves into the game. And generosity puts you on the field and says, no, no, I want to be a part of this. I want to contribute. It's not about my ability, it's my availability. Put me in, coach. Generosity puts you into the game. Another truth from this passage today, I want to encourage us in this month of generosity, of legacy giving, is generosity is organized. In both Mark's account, which I read today, and in Luke's accounts, there's an emphasis on order and organization. Jesus directed the people to sit down in groups of 50 and 100. I think that's interesting. I've said this before. If if I was Jesus and I'm not, if I could multiply the loaves and the fishes, I would have found a really cool way for it to be like Holy Ghost Amazon. I don't understand how Amazon works, but I sure enjoy it. I order things, and 10 minutes later, it's at my front door. Here's how you know I use Amazon too much. The dog doesn't even bark anymore. The Amazon guy and my dog have a relationship. True story. They knock on the window and Coop smiles at them. Amazon, you just order it and it shows up. If I was God, I would have did like divine Amazon. If, listen, we got to feed everybody. Maybe like eagles could come down and pick up fish and start dropping it off. Sky, del- like drone delivery right there, you know? That's not the way God did it. He said, sit down. And Jesus said, sit down in groups of 50 and 100. And we're going to get organized in this. Generosity is organized. This community we call Nova Church is organized miracles. It may not seem organized to you. Are they ever going to open the doors to that theater? Who controls the heat here? What's going on? We're doing our best. But the miracle that is Nova Church is organized generosity, and it's organized miracles. The dream team. I don't know if you know what goes into this, make this happen, but it's organized. Schedules for over 100 volunteers every single week. Declining, declining, declining. Blocking off, accepting. We have ushers and teams and and, and and worship teams and production team and kids ministry. Hundreds of volunteers each week getting organized from, from dozens of team leaders, building their teams, communicating with their teams, organizing their teams to pull off moments of the miraculous that lead to moments of grace. Practices. The worship team practices every single week, going through, making sure they're ready for these moments. The ordering has to happen. Coffee cups and supplies for guests and communion and Bibles and supplies and fixing gear and organizing and ordering prep there are prep for lessons and classes and next steps and kids ministry is prepping in all for all ages today and there's organization there's rental contracts to be signed for theaters for offices we rent staff are hired Pay checks need to be delivered. There are things to be organized financially. There are budgets to be formed, books to balance, taxes to pay, gear to rent. There are sermons to study and deliver. There are services to set up and tear down. It's very interesting that generosity is organized. Jesus uh, organized the people to prepare for the miracle. What we are doing here is we are believing that as we organize, we're preparing to receive the miracle. If he had not organized the crowd, they never would have been able to enjoy the miracle. There would have been mobs, and a few people would have got a lot, and some in the back would have got nothing. I'm sure there were people that needed miracles, people that were sick and hurt, and they could never get to where they were pressing into the crowd. So Jesus goes, no, no, let's get organized. We don't want a few taking everything. Sit down in groups of 50 or 100. We're going to do this right. Generosity is organized. Jesus launched the local church, not individuals. Why? Because he said there's a power in agreeing together, coming together, and building a church. Jesus launched a church. Listen, I love your faith. It needs to be strong Monday to Saturday. But there is something with the local church. The reason why God uses organized faith is he launched a church, not not an individual. He said we need to organize, make sure there's right, make sure there's there's conduct, make sure there's help for the poor, make sure there's teaching of doctrine, make sure people are looked after and loved on and connection. Why? Because Jesus loves organization. And he uses generosity as organized. Moments turn to movements when we work together. And the legacy of this church that will last for decades comes from generosity that is organized. Another point I pulled from this passage today is that generosity is thankful. Thankfulness and gratitude. It's interesting, before the miracle, before the miracle, Jesus gave thanks for the small amount of food they had in verse 41. It says he blessed it, he gave thanks. In the NIV it says that he reached up to heaven and he gave thanks to his father for it. Interesting, before the miracle he gave thanks. Even in challenging circumstances, giving thanks to God can lead to unexpected blessings. 2 Corinthians 9.11, look at this verse behind me. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Thankful people are generous people. Have you realized that yet? And generous people are thankful people. You cannot unlink generosity and thankfulness. Jesus gave thanks. Why? Because God the Father was generous. And he knew, God, you're generous and you're good. And I'm going to give thanks before I receive. Why? Because I know your character and I'm giving thanks before. Generosity is thankful. When we get into a building, and we will get into a building. Don't let that sit there for a minute. Some of you need to jump on. When we get into a building, we'll have the right temperature in the building. <laughs> when we get into a building, it won't be a spirit of pride. You see our building? You feel the temperature? It's not too hot, is it? It's not too cold, is it? Perfect. See our kids' spaces? See that coffee shop? You see the seats? You see it? It won't be a spirit of pride. It won't be a spirit of stinginess. This is our building. You, no, you can't use this building. No, you can't No, you can't run with in that part of the building. No, you can't. You can't have coffee in that part of the building. We won't be stingy. Go. No, 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 no. Don't mess this up. This is out. We have. We have to protect this building. No, no. It'll be a spirit of thankfulness that'll overflow when we have a why? Because generosity is thankful. I will challenge you today. We, the Americans celebrate Thanksgiving. If you're not feeling thankful today, um, can I encourage you. Maybe it's your generosity you need to look at, because generosity is thankful. We thank God now for the miracles that are coming. We thank God for the building we will have. We thank God for the influence in our city. We thank God for the staff we'll hire. We thank God for the, uh, the food we're going to give away. We thank God for the help we're going to give. We thank God for the influence that God is giving us. We thank God now because we know the miracles are coming. Number five, my last point, generosity overflows. The fact that there were 12 baskets of leftovers after everyone had eaten their full highlights the abundance of God's kingdom. He provides, oh, I've learned this to be true. He provides not just enough, but more than enough. I don't know who you think God is. He's not a God of rations. He's a God of more than enough. Jesus' generosity did more than feed the crowd. It saved the world. Oh, he just fed a crowd. No, 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 no. He fed a crowd so he could teach them about the kingdom that was coming because he knew he was about to die for their sins and save the world. Jesus' generosity did more than just feed a crowd a meal. It went on to save the world. Above and beyond, they could think or imagine. They thought they were getting a good TED Talk and a good meal. But he's like, no, no, I'm going to do more than you could think or imagine. My generosity is more than just a moment. My generosity turns into movements. Generosity is overflows and overflowing. When we're generous in God's work, there is an overflow. I can't explain it, but I can't deny it. When you're generous in God's work, it overflows. This month of generosity is more than an offering. Over the next four to five weeks as we collect and as you give, and you're, you can give when debit or online, you give your tithes and offerings, but when you give above and beyond that, you put the word legacy, and you'll see in a moment on the screen how to do that. And you'll see it all month as we encourage you. It's more than just an offering for this month. It overflows Into legacy. I honestly believe decades from now, there will be people on this stage, preaching, not on this stage, on us stage, and in rooms, and there'll be people, small groups, and kids' ministry, and teenagers that will forget our name and forget we exist, and it will overflow. People will be saved and healed, and people will be fed and helped, and there'll be miracles. It'll overflow tomorrow. From the generosity of this month, I believe that. I honestly believe that, because what a man sows, he reaps. And make no mistake, planting, sowing, and reaping is a principle of the kingdom of God. What a man sows, he reaps. Whether it be sin or holiness, you will reap. For the wages of sin is death. But when you sow into God's kingdom, you will reap. It's going to overflow into legacy. We started last year on this journey towards our own facility. And I think maybe some thought it was going to be a very quick journey. We knew it was not going to be. God can do whatever he wants to do, but maybe some thought, we'll take an offering, we'll have a month, and then this time next year, we know it's a longer journey, but we started the journey last year. Why? Because we're organized. We have a plan. We knew it wasn't going to be a quick journey, but it's one we're intentionally taking. We also know these are challenging times financially. I, Since I've been an adult, I've not seen times like this. But I hear stories of others that went through challenging times in the '80s, and and their moments of generosity turned into miracle movements of God. God can do it. In God's kingdom, He can do it. This is our first year as a church that our expenses were higher than our income as a church. Inflation's a big part of that. You guys know that everything costs more. Bibles cost more. Who would have thought? Coffee costs more. Gas costs more. Utilities cost more. The needs are greater. Floods and wildfires. It's been a year, folks. It's been a year. Mental health, food insecurity in our city. You know, just got the numbers recently that we spent helping people just with food in our community this year. We spent over $8,000 as a church. I'm proud of that. Proud of you as a church going. We're not just here to have services and have a Bless Me club, we're here to make a, a, a difference. And we're committed to being a beacon of hope in this city. Our city is better because of churches like us that exist. I'm reminded, I don't have time today, but there's a story of Nehemiah in the scripture. In Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem was in ruins. It had been attacked, and the walls it said that, that no stone was even on top of each other. They actually not only tore down the walls, they burned the walls. You know you must hate a place if you actually have to burn the stones. And this place was burned and torn down. And this man, Nehemiah, who was just a servant, said, I feel like I can rebuild the walls. I think I'm called by God to rebuild the walls, and the structures so God's people can have a home. We can have a city. And it's interesting, not everybody was happy with that. And there was an enemy. I won't read it today. There's this enemy that kept saying, Come down from the walls, come down to the valley, and and let's talk about this. They wanted to distract them. And then they devised a plan when they couldn't distract them to start attacking them to stop them from building the walls. Cause once the walls were up, then it was a safe city. So the enemy's like, let's distract you. And they kept saying, Come down and have a meeting. Like, no, we can't come down, we're busy. They said, we can't distract them, so we have to attack them. And they devised a plan to attack them. It's interesting here in Nehemiah 4, 16 to 18. It says, when Nehemiah had heard that they were going to be attacking them as they were building these walls. From that day on, half of my men did work, while the other were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armor. The officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Watch this. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. We here feel a lot like Nehemiah. A weapon to defend in one hand and a tool to build in the other. Our hearts are to protect this city and our hearts are also to build what God's called us to build as a church. In one hand, we have a weapon to protect on the other hand, we're believing to build. One hand, we're leaning in to fight for those in our city under attack. To fight for health and food and justice and community and mental health. Do you know, as a church, we paid for professional counseling over $5,000 worth of mental health counseling, marriage counseling, single counseling, people that were struggling this year. Why? Because we have a we have a weapon in our hand. Going. we As for us, we're not gonna let our city get taken out by depression and hopelessness. We're gonna stand. We're gonna believe. We're gonna preach the gospel and lean into counseling. We're going to feed people and help people. So on one hand, we have a weapon going, no, no, those those enemies that want to cut apart our kids, cut apart our teenagers, our mental health, want to cut apart marriages and people's mindset and, and, and starvation and housing, we want to have a weapon. We want to be a church that's a weapon in the hand of God going, not for us, not for our city. We will stand here and defend the people of this city where we can. I don't know what you saw when you saw 750 backpacks being handed out. What I saw was us as a church going, no, you know what? We're standing for our kids. That poverty won't affect them. They need an education. They need to know they can go and learn that. Not, they're not going to be staying home because they can't afford to go to school. And it's a little, but a little in the hand of God is a lot. And we got organized. And we paid for advertising. And we got backpacks. And you were generous. And put them together. And people showed up. And we said, we may, maybe we can get 300 backpacks. And there was an overflow of generosity. It's an overflow of generosity, and there's a thankfulness. Why? But we saw ourselves with a weapon going, no, 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 no. No, no, we're going to protect the kids so they can learn. But on the other hand, we have a tool, and we're building towards tomorrow. We're literally wanting to build walls to call home. We're building for tomorrow. And we'll continue to both defend as a church, the city, against the powers that want to rip it apart, injustice, poverty, sin, and hopelessness, but we also want to build for our tomorrows. And Nehemiah stood there, had his men going, in one hand have a weapon to fight because the attacks are coming against us. But we just can't fight all the time. We have to build. If we build, we're going to get attacked. There's no point having a wall if there's no people to live here because they're wiped out by the enemy. And there's no point fighting the enemy if we don't ever build a wall to protect. And we feel like Nehemiah here. We're going to do both, defend and build. As, as we're led as a church leadership by the spirit of God. Even as we get ready to prepare budgets and plans for 2024, our heart is we will defend and we will build. And your generosity this month allows us to do both. Protect and to build. Radical generosity, radical generosity. Turn moments into movements. So here's how we're gonna close today as we launch this month. Worship team's gonna lead us in a song. If you would just stay seated just bow your head for a moment and I want you to ask God would you consider would you ask God what your part is in building a legacy here it's not about ability it's about availability some of you have a lot and some of you have a little it's not about it's not about ability it's not about how much it's about the availability of the heart and I believe together we can turn these moments that we so enjoy into a movement of legacy. Let's pray and consider what God wants you to do. Come on, worship team. Can you lead us today?
2: There was a moment when the lights went out, when death had claimed its victory. The king of love had given up his life, the darkest day in history.
1: of a life it's not its duration but its donation we have a vision of a church that defends this city and builds for tomorrow and your, your giving your legacy your prayers, your faith, your availability makes that happen, can we stand to our feet today I want to pray for you as we close it's going to be an amazing month of faith amazing, amazing month of miracles an amazing month that will launch a movement amen, Father I thank you for this morning thank you for this church. God, we have a vision, a vision of making a difference in this city. We have a vision of proclaiming the truth of Jesus to all nations and all ages in this city. God, we thank you for what you've called us to do. So God, we make ourselves available. We're obedient to what you're saying. God, you say it and we'll do it. Father, bless this church. Thank you for this moment and thank you for the movement it's becoming. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen, amazing. We love you, church. God bless you. Have an amazing Sunday. Coffee's flowing, and we'll see you next Sunday morning.